Hi, and welcome to the Well-Read Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion on books and reading. I'm Hallie. And I'm Anne. And we are librarians who love to read and talk about books. And today we are talking a bit about adaptations, books turned into TV shows or movies. And the original premise of this came from a listener suggestion our friend, I consider her our friend. She's emailed us a few different times and uh, emailed us about the new adaptation of Persuasion and asked if we were going to be discussing it on the podcast. And so I will say I have not seen the new adaptation of Persuasion. <laughs> I don't watch that much TV at just at all. And I particularly don't watch much TV on my own. Almost all of my TV watching is with uh, my husband Jeremy. So he would not, I don't, I think he would watch it if I asked him to, but it wouldn't be yeah. tops on his list to watch. So we try to find things that we both want to watch to watch together versus something that we know the other person probably won't like. Uh, so Anne and I, and you, Anne and I discussed this, not <laughs> Anne who emailed. Uh, and I said it was, it was unlikely that I was going to get around to watching Persuasion anytime soon, if at all, because we can get into into why maybe I won't watch it. But um, so we decided we'll just talk and you could talk about it and then we'll talk about adaptations sort of on a, a larger scale. So Anne, yeah. why don't you share your thoughts about persuasion and the adaptation and all that good stuff? So, <laughs> so I am not going to claim to be an Austin expert in, in any of this and I haven't read Persuasion in a little while. And so I, I don't want to say oh, it didn't do this and this. This is clearly what the book is doing because I I just have, it's been too many years since I've actually read Persuasion. So um, even though I, I consider it one of my favorite books and I love it, love it, love it, but it's it's just been a little while since I've read it. So, but I am very involved in various Jane Austen organizations and um, Facebook groups and, and things. And the question of what, of how things should be adapted is really, really prominent in, in those groups. And so, um, so I've been really interested in this and, and how just, just as soon as it was announced, the, the way that people treated it and the excitement over it versus then when the trailer was released and how people reacted to, to the trailer was really interesting to me. And so I think that there are various schools of thought. One of them is that you should be extremely faithful to Jane Austen and, and the text and, that anything besides that is is bad and then there's the other school of thought that's that says this is a document that then can be interpreted in in any way possible and i lean much more on that side of of things where i i love the very faithful adaptations but i don't think that it's a static piece of of writing i think i think that it's totally fair to have anyone take it on that that wants to and and um sort of investigate it in, in any way that they that they want to but I do think it needs to um, remain true to what the book is trying to say and sort of understand the core of the book and I'm not sure that this persuasion um, did that because I just don't think that Anne Elliot in the book or in the movie is at all the Anne Elliot of the book and I'm okay with some messing around with that but to me the point of persuasion is this is this a uh, opportunity for a second chance that's that's so beautiful and wonderful mm -hmm. but there's still Anne Elliot isn't isn't pathetic right. through the book right and that's very much the way that it's played in in the movie where she's sobbing all the time about this lost opportunity and I oh, just that's not what's in the book no not at all and it, it tries to make it much more into a rom-com and so she has these moments where she looks silly in front of Wentworth and she um um, kind of makes a fool of herself and and that I, I'm not I'm just not into that type of rom-com anyway but then the fact that she's so often shown just crying over him at, and for years has been crying over him is not is not to me the character at all and so that that was the thing I struggled with the most um, there's also a lot of people have commented about the fourth wall breaking. I didn't think that was such a big deal personally as, as a lot of other people did, but, but then we're told things about her character of how kind she is and what a, a selfless person she is, but then she's constantly being snarky to the camera. And so it's sort of hard to 
reconcile those two things a little bit in in my mind um it just didn't really seem like the same character but but then there are lots of beautiful things the the settings are absolutely gorgeous and the costumes are fun and um there's some really really funny lines i think that the the actress that plays mary Anne's sister is is really really funny and so so i do think that it's doing some good things but i wish that it had leaned into a lot of the other comments have been that it it sort of has these moments of of modernity in Mm -hmm. them like she calls she calls a character a 10 and she talks about a playlist Mm -hmm. that her ex made for her and, and things and so I don't think those things are terrible mm-hmm. if they really lean into it, but they right. don't lean into it enough. And, right, you have and, to go one way or the other. You can't. Right, right. And I, in and... right, right. And I'm probably at the end of the year. I'll talk about when we talk about our favorite non-book mm-hmm. uh, things of the year. I'll talk about the show Dickinson, which I I watched this year and just loved, 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 loved. And that is very much mm-hmm. just trying to be of the current moment, but also set in a, a period. In a, in a different time period and so I think that you have to go that far with it and and this movie did not and so I feel like it's just a lost opportunity to me uh, to sort of reinterpret a, a very classic book but people sure have, they have opinions feelings, about man. it yep. yeah are, there are lots of feelings yeah yeah so I think if it had been getting rave reviews or even good reviews I would yeah, I would say, like, yeah, like I'll try to figure out, like I'll make time to to watch it. But given the fairly negative reaction it's gotten, I thought, well, I think I could probably skip it. Yeah, and it's it's tricky because some of that reaction is coming from people who who feel like if it's not word for word, right. like the, these are the the kind of people that think that Clueless is a bad, yeah, which Austin adaptation. Is which yeah, that's that's not my people. Um, so, so and and there has been some also some racial pushback of the colorblind casting, which is just reprehensible that people are are saying this is a bad thing to have actors of color in right. this adaptation. So so there's there's that school of thought, and so it it's, it has been kind of hard to to read articles and sort of parse out which which are um, to me fair criticisms and which are um old-fashioned criticisms so yeah i don't know i i i would say you should watch it at some point if you're just like i have i've got jeremy's out of town right let's let's see what this is all about yeah but um i just feel like i have a laundry list of good movies and tv shows that i want to watch that yeah. would be to his taste that yeah it's hard to carve out the time to watch something that yeah i'm not excited about i would say i do you know i have a very very high tolerance for watching things that i sort of want to take to pick apart i think a much higher tolerance than you do so um so that that was fine with me but um i don't know i just don't watch that much so then when i do i want it to be something i'm enjoying and that's good yeah yeah. i'm so jealous I, i i feel like i don't I thought I did, but then I talked to people who um, who watch a lot more than I do, and I think that one of the differences is that I can't I can't work and watch things at the same time. Like oh, gosh, my, no. yeah. it just doesn't doesn't work with my brain. And a lot of people I know that I that I work with are able to do that, and oh, wow. I'm jealous of that skill. I can't imagine working and watching something. I how, yeah, I don't know how that would happen. I don't know how yeah. that would work. I can't even listen to books in the background for the most part because I'm. Oh, no, it just neither. doesn't, doesn't. My brain won't won't split like that. Yeah, no, I can't. I'm just sort of sitting here stunned. Like I can't imagine. <laughs> uh, my work, there's no way. There's no way yeah. to do my. First of all, my work is about seventy five percent meetings, so that right. would be possible. And then right. the rest of the time is work that takes a lot of concentration and mental effort. I can't imagine like right. also being able to absorb a book and understand it. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, what about you have some thoughts, I think, on adaptations in general? Well, I think I think that sort of what we were talking about before um, before we got started, it's really tricky to have a book that a lot of people have invested sometimes years of their lives into, Mm -hmm. um, meaning the fan base and then and then have it come to the screen. And I think that's sort of a different beast than just a, a, a random adaptation of a novel that that has probably been a bestseller but but doesn't have that that fandom behind it that 
that um that comes from from certain books Mm -hmm. so to me the the thing that has to happen is it still has to understand the source material and it has to understand what what the core of the of the book is trying to say and then after that i think it can it can do anything um but i do know right i'm i i don't really belong to fan groups at all other than i guess jane austen stuff but but even then i i feel like i'm kind of on the fringes of that um i do know there are lots of people that feel like it should be very very faithful Mm -hmm. and and sometimes things fail because the fan the fan base wants it to be such a faithful adaptation that it doesn't it doesn't pan out well for them because it isn't um so what what do you Mm -hmm. think would would like for the adaptations that you think are really great how do you think that those what is the magic that you that you see yeah it's interesting because I would agree with you I think that partially if you're hugely hugely invested in the book and not open to other it's a di- it's a different medium completely. So that right. like they're going to have to be changes. So I think if I think that decisions are made when it's being adapted into the film or TV show where as a reader if you're too devoted to every single thing that happens in the book, that might not translate to the screen. So I think it's better off you're better off either being dis- a little bit distanced from the book. Like you like for me, it works really well if I've read the book years before. And so it's I'm not picking apart every single detail of the adaptation where I'm like, well, that's not how they did it in the book. Because if I read it five years ago, I'm not going to remember those details. I just remember right. kind of the overarching feel of the book or like the, right. the main themes and the storyline. So then it works for me pretty well to be an adaptation because I'm not, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not noticing those little details. One thing I think that can be hard, so I'm thinking about some of the like books that I've liked that I think can be hard to get chemistry. But like, I think it can work both ways. Like, sometimes I think characters can be written in a way in a book where there's a lot of chemistry between the characters based on their banter or the situations they find themselves in, that the author can build a really great chemistry between them that then when it goes to on screen you're dealing with real people that it can be harder I think to sometimes that can't be a um it can feel manufactured or something I don't know how to say it so like so I think that can be difficult is people have ideas in their head of sort of the way the characters interact with each other that then that's hard to then translate to the screen in a way that's going to satisfy like the rabid diehard fans of books where it's I don't know. Like, I think that you, your imagination plays such a role when you're reading a book that then that can it can build it up in your mind that there's a way that the words on a page can contribute to your imagination that then when you're seeing it on the screen, it just it's a different medium. Like, I don't know how right. else to say yeah. it. Like, there, there are going to be things that are just naturally different. And like when you're dealing with real actors portraying characters like they're not going to do it the exact same way that you might have it in your imagination. And so right. that's and where I think if you could be a little bit farther away from the book, you don't have that clear image in your head. So I think that can help. Yeah. Well, I think that's a really good point because, because all of, all of literature it exists in our, the, the words are, are their own thing, but then it, becomes real in our heads Mm -hmm. and so in someone else's head they could be doing a director could be doing it what they consider extremely faithful Mm -hmm. interpretation of it but because we're not like mind melding creatures (laughs) that's not possible what you think is is the the way something looked or the way the scene played out isn't necessarily true to someone else so so of course it and and then that there's also just things that can't be filmed and it ha- there have to be there have to be changes made to things because that's the way it has to be done and for people who are not filmmakers that can be really hard to to know that this isn't this isn't something that um like to us the the magic of movies means that anything can happen i think and right. then to realize like no 
structurally this this can't these things can't work if right. it's if it's done in film so um yeah it's it's very tricky i i know someone um which you do too by association that uh loves lord of the rings and he was he hates he loves the books he hates the movies and i was shocked by this because the movies are pretty universally loved mm-hmm. i think mm-hmm. I, I i don't think that they're i think that, I, that fans really loved them um that's at least my impression and he's like no they're terrible and i, I asked why and he said because they cut out too much like they cut out whole characters and i was like yeah but did that character actually play into this at all and he's like it doesn't matter it, it they should have been in it because it's it's they had all that time to make the movie they had all the like the extended versions and everything that that should be they should include everything and i i just don't think that that's necessarily true of um you know i, I read plenty of books where i think this could be edited in a way mm. that that could be tighter and and so to me a movie can sometimes be a second chance to right to fix things that i think should have been done in a book or um expand on things or or yeah i i think it's all fair yeah i mean to me the best adaptations are the ones that stay true to like the main story beats like i don't want them going too far afield from the story you know i don't want them to completely changing the ending or something something yeah 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 yeah. but that just evokes the same feelings in whatever way that's going to work for the movie or tv show so i'm trying to think of a good example like uh like big little lies but leon moriarty that was Mm -hmm. one where i liked i loved the book and then when it was a TV show, it had been a while since I've read the book, so I don't actually know how faithful it is to the book. But it, they definitely changed some things. Like, it wasn't yeah. all just a note-for-note reproduction of the book. Right. But right. it captured so much of what was in the book. I mean, for one thing, the book takes place in Australia, and this takes place – the TV show took place in California. So, like, there are things about it that, that they changed by necessity, I'm sure, and – it works really well as a TV show because it still mm-hmm. just gets to the essence of what the story was about and uses the TV medium in a way that worked really well for that show. And so to me, that's like the best, like to what to your point, like to me dropping characters or something like that, unless it's a main character that has an impact on the story, like that's not going to bother me, I don't think. Yeah. Um, because it just, it's in service of the story. Yeah. And there's time, there are time limitations sometimes. Um, not with Lord, I don't think that's a good example for Lord of the Rings <laughs> because it's a million hours long. But when you're turning a book into a movie, you certainly are going to have to cut out some of the details because you have two hours of, of a movie to represent a book that might take 10 hours to, if you were to say like every word out loud. So, uh, so yeah, I think that choices yeah. have to be made. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was thinking last night about Outlander and how, how much that has expanded its fan base. The show has, mm-hmm. has expanded the fan base. Um, and that's a, that's a book that, or a series that was, optioned decades ago I want to say I I know it was let's see the first book came out in the 80s and then or the early 90s I can't remember now but but it took a good 15 or 20 years Mm -hmm. for the for the um show to come out and that was that was one that people had so much expectation specifically because of the the actors the Mm -hmm. the casting seemed to be the big crux of it of of how do we get jamie on screen and who will be the perfect jamie and and you know that if they hadn't picked sam hewan i'm sure that they could have found other good guys but but if if they hadn't casted it right Mm -hmm. it would have been a complete disaster and they did and Mm -hmm. it and it just expanded things so much and um, I remember watching, uh, however many years ago it came out, the um, the Great American Read show on, oh, right, yeah. or, or program on, on PBS, and Outlander came in second, and that would not have been the case without the show. Mm-hmm. There's just no way that that 
like it would have been popular, I think, but it wouldn't have been the second most popular mm-hmm. book or, or considered the, the second greatest American right. book of all time. So, um, so it, it's just, to me, that's really fascinating of when it, it can, and they, they definitely don't do, I mean, it's pretty faithful to the books from, from where I've, I haven't read the entire series. Mm-hmm. I think I only read up, up until the fourth book and it's in my memory, pretty faithful, but it's definitely not a chapter by chapter. Right adaptation and they they change characters up and Mm -hmm. they combine characters and i know there's a character who famously dies in the book that Mm -hmm. that was very popular in the show and Mm -hmm. so they had to keep him Mm -hmm. they had to bring him back at a certain point Mm -hmm. and so um there are i know that there are probably schools of thought that that say this is this is wrong to do it this way but i feel like the the vast majority of fans are like no this is this is so much better. This mm-hmm. is giving us more of what we love. So, um, but yeah, I, I remember being so tickled that, that it came in second. <laughs> hey, that's funny. I don't recall that. That's funny. Yeah. It cracked me up a little bit. Um, so what do you think about, so, so YA adaptations are, or, or have been huge. They're not consistently huge. So what is the difference when things are like you have Hunger Games and Twilight and mm-hmm. Harry Potter mm-hmm. and, those type of franchises and then there are other book series that seem just as best-selling mm-hmm. that do not pan out as as um franchises um so i, I wrote down divergent mm-hmm. and the mortal instruments and i know like i am four is one that that oh, bombed yeah. too that that had a lot of expectations behind it um what do you think is the difference there well, it's interesting because as you were starting to say that when you mentioned Divergent, my my theory was going to be that the books can't sustain that interest over three or four movies or however long, that the story wasn't, which no no disrespect to Veronica Roth, right? Isn't that who wrote the Divergent yes. series? Yeah. Um, but like that it wasn't as a, as a complex or well-built story to begin with. Yeah, that's kind of my feeling about it, It's my too. feeling on Divergent. So it, it couldn't sustain the way something like Hunger Games could or Harry Potter. Those were more fully realized worlds to me mm-hmm. than Divergent. Then you said something else in that list you rattled off, and I was like, oh, no, wait, that might not. Um, Mortal Instruments. Maybe Mortal Instruments, because I do feel like that was a pretty well... It's been a long time since I've read those books, and I did not complete reading those books, so maybe... Maybe that's maybe that's just supporting evidence for my argument. <laughs> uh, but I do feel like that was a pretty full, fully realized world. One of the things I was going to say as we've been talking is one thing, at least for me, that I think works well is when there's a strong atmosphere in the books that can be evoked in the screen adaptation. So like Outlander, for example. Yes, the characters and their relationship are like the main part of that. But a lot of that is the beautiful Scottish moors or whatever, you know? And so that's very much a part of, at least from the books that I read, I've only read, I think, two or three of those, that then when I watched the show, I thought, oh my gosh, this is not just representing the books well, but actually expanding what the books do, because now you get a real sense of that atmosphere that's described in the books. And that's that's where my brain was starting to go with the Hunger Games and Harry Potter versus the Divergent. But then, I don't know, the Mortal Instruments, I feel like, is a weird one that didn't... Because there's a lot of atmosphere in those books that could have conveyed over to TV show. I never watched that TV show or movie, whatever no. it was turned into. I'm not sure. I've seen both. I've, uh-huh. I've seen the movie. I haven't seen the TV show. And I know the movie was ex- was expected to be this big franchise. And then it didn't do Just well. Yeah. And and I, I remember seeing the movie... Um, and I, I had read the book and I liked it and and um, was excited about the movie. And I'm not with stuff like that. I just I'm pretty easily pleased. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I I mean, Jane Austen, I have more of an opinion on. But but I'm just sort of like, was I entertained? Was it pretty good enough? Were there ghosts? Cool. <laughs> right. But but I remember someone sitting behind me talking to when the movie was over, she was talking to her friends or whoever she was with and saying like, Oh, they totally didn't get this character mm-hmm. or they, they didn't, she just had really specific criticisms mm-hmm. of it. And so I feel like, like I, I kind of wish I had turned around and said, okay, tell me more of what, what this is, what, 
how you saw the book versus uh-huh. versus how this played out because i i didn't pick up on those things um but yeah i i i feel like i feel like you're right that they're like divergent really those books were so huge but but they didn't they didn't expand right with the series right like it it, it just didn't sort build of, on itself i don't think right 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 and so that that makes it not that compelling mm-hmm. to i mean i i confess i didn't like the series at all so i'm <laughs> i'm not um the best person to to talk about the the failures of the of the movies but but it just felt like like it wasn't it wasn't becoming richer mm-hmm. um, right. by watching more right. movies and then they then they split the last book into two movies and then just never made the last movie what's all an example all, not good. oh sorry i was gonna say what's an example of a particularly good adaptation to you um i really loved um i thought that gone girl was mm, really exceptional and to me, that's that had to do with the casting mm-hmm. and and just getting what those those characters are like, like picking Ben Affleck to be mm, so good. Um, Nick, Nick so he's just smarmy in real life to me yeah. <laughs> so, or sort of has that reputation. And so to play on that, I thought was really smart. And then Ro- uh, Rosam- Rosamund. Yeah, Pike. Pike. I wanted to say Rosemary for some reason. I'm like, that doesn't sound right. Um she just she's she's so just exudes that that coldness that that amy has and and the way they filmed it too even the quality of the film there's there's sort of a darkness to it Mm -hmm. that um in the scenes that are in new york you it feels just much more vibrant and exciting Mm -hmm. and then when they are in missouri it's Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. bland and sort of um just gray and and it, it makes you feel those feelings that the that the characters have of how disappointed they are with how their lives have turned out from from where their life seemed to be going um and so and and that one is pretty faithful to the book but i mm-hmm. don't feel like it's a uh, it's been too long since i've seen it to and, and read it to remember mm-hmm. if it's if it's exactly the, the same but mm-hmm. but it felt like it just felt like it really got the well the, yes and i I'm, I'm going to say something that I'm only about fifty percent sure of <laughs> that that she wrote the screenplay. Yes, Gillian yes she did. wrote the screenplay, which I yeah, think yeah, yeah. that has something to do with it too. When the original yeah. writer is a part of the adaptation, I think that can make which a is difference. true of Big Little Lies yep. too, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. So I think that can make a big difference too for how maybe choices are made of what to include, what not to include, and. And stuff like that because the person whose brain created it originally is it has right. a say in it versus it just being pulled from the text. Right, right, right. Um, same thing. I started watching um, kind of for the purposes of this of this conversation. I watched The Sandman this or, or started watching it this this week because it's been getting a lot of buzz as as a really great ad- adaptation. And um, and I I looked online. I was reading some articles online and people. Um, were posting images from the show and then frames of the original graphic novel where you can see that they they specifically took like some very famous image mm-hmm. um and recreated it for the for the show and that was really cool to see that that was that was considered like the their graphic novels are kind of their own thing because they're you you have the visual mm-hmm as part of the original mm-hmm. interpretation of it. And then do you choose to do the same thing or do you not? And, and in several cases, at, at least in, in um, that show, they do choose to take exact frames and recreate them. And that was really beautiful to see. And it's, mm-hmm. it's just kind of a stunning, um, a stunning, visually stunning show anyway, but Neil Gaiman is very involved with that too. So maybe that's the key. I, don't I think know. we just cracked it. Maybe we did it. <laughs> <laughs> done and done (laughs) i have to say though i do tend to even if i haven't read the original book i feel like i tend to like tv shows and movies that have come from a book i like have that i do like i feel like the stories are tend to be ones that are well told yeah yeah i'm not sure if that's accurate or not but often when 
um, like sometimes I won't even know that what I'm watching is is from a book originally, and then you find out at the end or something, and it's like, oh yeah, that was a really good story. So. Yeah, that's definitely how I feel about Downton Abbey, where where I kind of don't like I think it's visually gorgeous, but mm-hmm. I don't really understand the right the obsession with it and. Um, and to me, that's the difference is mm-hmm. it's not based on anything. And so it's just sort of flits around right. without getting into any yeah. real depth of character or, yeah. or anything. I um, should say something. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm going to uh, amend my earlier comment because as I mentioned Big Little Lies a few different times, I've only ever seen the first season of Big Little Lies, which follows the book. And then there was a second season that I've never watched. And so I mm-hmm. can't speak to whether... I would find that second season as good as the first when they yeah. started straying from the source material. I, I watched it and I liked it, but I know lots of people didn't. And that was another case where I thought, I'm just not that great of a critic sometimes <laughs> because to me, I, I didn't, I thought that was to me really compelling and interesting, mm-hmm. but I know a lot of people felt like it was a huge drop off from, from the first right. season, but I, I liked it. But, and that was one where Leon Moriarty was involved in the second season too right. so um i think she liked it yeah i mean at some point i do want to watch it i like those actresses yeah. a lot that are in that show. yeah yeah are there any upcoming adaptations that you're super excited about and why i should say why um well number one is daisy jones and the six obviously yes because that was one as i i think we talked about when when we we talked about it at some point on the show um and how frustrating it was to hear about these songs and not be able to go listen to them Uh and to see like to watch these these what they are saying in the book are legendary performances and then to be like but why can't i youtube this (laughs) well and the casting to me every bit of casting that i've seen so far makes me more excited for it because it just they do look how i would picture those i don't know that i pictured the characters i'm not somebody who tends to have a mental image in my mind of characters necessarily but like every time I've seen somebody that's a new addition to the cast I'm like oh yeah oh yeah I could totally see it yeah like, I could totally see them so yeah so that makes me excited too and I believe Taylor Jenkins Reid has been part of that development of that show so I have oh good faith there too yeah um I just found out I didn't realize that the lead actress was Elvis's granddaughter yeah 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 I had no idea yeah Oh, Riley Keogh, I'm not sure how you say her last yeah. name. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that that adds anything to it, but it was an, an interesting piece of information that I had not known. <laughs> it was news to you. <laughs> oh, what else is coming up? Um, I'm excited for Killers of the Flower Moon. Oh, yeah, I read that book. that's also been coming out for quite a while, and I really loved that book. And... um. And I love I love nonfiction that is then made into a fictional film. I, I think it's really kind of an intriguing thought exercise. So so I, I'd like to see. And that's just kind of been in the works for such a long time that I'm excited for it to finally come out. Mm-hmm. So um, and then I don't know if it's been cast yet, but Red, White and Royal Blue by yeah. Casey McQuiston, I'm excited for. Um, I didn't check on IMDb to see if the casting is up, but um, that was a book that really surprised me of how much I enjoyed it. So I think that that will be. I don't know, royal stuff, presidential stuff. You can't go wrong with it. Yeah. Intrigue. Yeah. All good. Yeah. Um, all the makings of a good TV show or movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about you? Do you have anything that you... Yeah, so I'm very excited for Lessons in Chemistry. Uh, I loved that book. I've talked about that book. It is mm-hmm. filming now. Brie Larson is oh, the wow. lead. Uh, so I'm very excited for that. I just... That's one That was where... fast. It was fast. I know. I think it was optioned before it ever was even released. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. That's one that I think they could do a lot with that as a TV show. Um, yeah. And so visually, I, I, it would be really, really right, beautiful. Yeah. There's just, and like the characters are so great and quirky, but uh, lovable. It's, I don't know. I just feel like it has all the makings for a TV show that would be really charming and lovely, uh, but with some depth to it, which is my ideal combo so that one the idea of you by robin lee i'm really excited about i think i've talked about that book on the show before yes yeah yeah. Uh, i read it last summer i think or the summer before um and it's now making the rounds on bookstagram and i would assume book talk although i'm not on on tiktok uh because it's a very steamy 
romance about a woman in her 40s who has a relationship with a guy who's 20, 21, uh, 22, somewhere in that range, probably over 21. <laughs> now that I'm saying that, I think he's over 21. Uh, but he's in a boy band. And so it's just, it's gotten sort of a second life. I think it was published in maybe 2017 or 2018. That's um, crazy. I know, but there are lots of people still talking about it because it's, it's a really well-told story. You don't often see women who are in their 40s portrayed in the way that she's portrayed um, as being a very confident, sexy woman that a 20-something would want. But it's not salacious, really. Like, even though it's a, it's a pretty explicit book, uh, it doesn't, I don't know, like it's just well done. Like it's believable in a way. And it's based on um, sort of like fanfic about Harry Styles pretty much. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's really, really good. So I'm excited to see that come to the screen. Um, what else? I can... What about, I wrote down Bullet Train too. And yeah, I'm... so I have, I have mixed feelings about Bullet mixed Train. Mixed feelings, yes. Yes, so I liked that book a lot. And while I read it, I don't think I knew when I was reading it, although I think I learned right after I read it, that it was going to be made into a movie. And it's very cinematic. The whole time I was reading yeah. it, I was like, this is going to, you know, this needs to be a movie. But it's it's by a Japanese author. And, and takes place in Japan and it completely. And takes place in Japan. And when Jeremy read it, he's ridden those trains that they, the like the train oh, lines they talked about in Japan. And he's like, oh yeah, this is, you know, this is that station and described it perfectly. But so, but then they cast Brad Pitt. <laughs> right. One of the characters is like, no, why couldn't they have had ja- a Japanese cast? So right. I have mixed feelings. I think it's probably a good movie going experience because lots of action and some violence, but some humor, all those things. But I don't know. It's upsetting to me that it was whitewashed in the way. And maybe yeah. I shouldn't, I haven't seen it. So maybe it's okay. I don't know. Right. Right. And, and the... The casting also looks like it's it to me it didn't look clear that it was in Japan from the from the trailer. Right. And so that concerns me too. And so maybe maybe they reset it someplace else. I I'm not sure on that. But it does look very stylized mm-hmm. and that that to me seems very very um keeping with the book because it's just such a fast-paced book and mm-hmm. so goofy violent yeah, yeah. and like there's sort there's a like, scene in the book uh, where oh sorry go oh ahead. go ahead no no go ahead <laughs> <laughs> there i was just gonna say there's that scene where there's there's two characters that are fighting but they're trying to be quiet yeah. fighting and so they're they're sitting next to each other in two seats punching each yeah. other <laughs> instead of getting up to fight <laughs> yeah i mean there's no it's almost like um Coen Brothers or something like that. Like there's a little bit of a humorousness to the the way the violence plays out. I think that would be Coen Brothers, right? And I'm thinking or Quentin Tarantino. I think maybe so. I think I get them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, so I'm curious about that. I will say I want to see where the crawdads sing. I just read that book uh, at the beginning of the summer on my honeymoon, and I was not a huge fan of the book. I didn't dislike it, but I wasn't like a Oh, yeah. head over heels in love with it but I do think it would make a good movie um, yeah and I've heard I've had I've had some friends go and see the movie who loved the book and were kind of disappointed in the movie so I'm curious since I didn't love the book or didn't have those high expectations I feel like that actually sets me up to really end up liking the movie so yeah I do want to see that yeah I kind of had the same feeling where I I I have a lot of criticisms of the book but but thought it did a lot of things really well mm-hmm. um specifically the nature writing was really gorgeous but um but it didn't make me want to rush out and see the movie at all and so I've sort of thought well when it starts streaming I'll probably go I'll probably watch that but um but that's a good point that maybe maybe I'll think it's great because right because you don't and I don't have in my head it cemented in my memory of oh this happens you know like yeah the 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 not great part is that I just read it, so I will probably remember it pretty well. But even still, I don't know that I'll sit there watching and thinking, "Wait, that was that was not how it was in the book." I don't know. Yeah, I tend yeah. to not do like how you say you're pretty easily entertained. I am too. Yeah. Like I'll, I don't know. Watching TV to me, it's that's when I can turn my brain off a little bit more. After, mm-hmm. Usually at the end of the day, and so. Um, yeah, I tend to just kind of take things in. Even, yeah, so I feel like 
I'm not going to be sitting there wanting to nitpick it. So I think I might like it. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it comes down to more um, like there was a show the other day that I was watching that had been recommended to me. And it and it, it's it's like you were talking about with Persuasion. I, I found myself not laughing. Like It's a, a half hour series. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is fine. I just am not. I'm not. I don't think it's that funny. And so there are so many other things I'd rather I'd rather spend my time my watching time on Mm -hmm. and um I think with with a lot of things it's easy to say this is this is no big deal because it's just tv or it's just a movie it's not that long Mm -hmm. but there we just have so much coming at us all the time now that um it's hard to make those those decisions that's not really about adaptations but that's right what was the tv show uh, loot on oh on yeah, Apple. yeah all right well that was a fun discussion of adaptations we will be right back with what we're reading this week okay and what are you reading this week I'm reading Deep Water by Patricia Highsmith, and um, I didn't plan this, but this is something that was recently adapted for Hulu. Um, I haven't seen that movie yet, and I actually didn't realize when I picked up the book that it was that movie, um, which I had specifically not wanted to watch because um, it's about people cheating on their spouses, and I don't like those kinds of things very much. And so um, I didn't have any desire to see it, but I also didn't know it was based on a Patricia Highsmith book, (laughs) which changes everything. Um, I have talked many times about how much I love her, um, but I am also very, very behind in reading all of her novels. Mm -hmm. And so um, when before I was on the reading list committee, I had planned on on I don't think she was in my my four authors that I had picked to read all of their complete works that year, but I sort of had had a plan after I finished those authors, I was going to pick another set of four authors and she was on my second set. I don't know when that will happen, but someday it will. Um, So I was really excited that, that I picked this up. So it's about a couple named Vic and Melinda Van Allen and they're in a loveless marriage and always have been. They're just basically a mismatched couple. He is, is much more into sort of, intellectual pursuits so he likes classical music and literature he works as a publisher and so he is very interested in in um very literary books and so um he also you find out that he's into some kind of different things he has these experiments going on in the garage that are things like keeping bed bugs and keeping snails and so it's just a little a little quirky i guess um (laughs) creepy i was trying to be more diplomatic (laughs) to any listeners of ours i don't like bugs so well not creepy if we if we have anyone that loves bed bugs then we apologize for that (laughs) um but melinda is not like that she likes dancing and parties and she especially likes the attention of other men and so she openly flaunts her flirtations and has affairs with other men publicly and vic doesn't really care because he's he just doesn't he's not into it mm-hmm. um but he doesn't want the messiness messiness of a divorce because they do have a daughter and so he just decides this is this is fine this is he's going to allow this to happen and he even um, comes to really enjoy playing these mental games with melinda's lovers so he'll do things like she'll have one of them over for a drink and he'll just stay up all night and hang out in the living room even though he knows that they want to be alone and they mm-hmm. they want that space and he just kind of gets a kick out of that and so at a party, he ends up telling one of them that he killed one of Melinda's former boyfriends. And he knows that this will get back to Melinda and annoy her. And that's part of the fun for him. And he doesn't think there's any real harm in this. But then one of her former boyfriends does end up murdered. And Vic has just sort of lets everyone know that he did it. And he oh. or that he lets people believe that, that oh, he did okay. it. And yeah. And I, that's as far as I am, but I'm guessing that's not going to go well for him. No. <laughs> going forward. I don't suspect it will. No. Knowing what I know about Patricia Highsmith, yeah. I think that this is not a good thing. So what I love about this book and about her generally is that she just really makes everything feel claustrophobic. 
and she just captures that so perfectly in the in this book and the boredom of of being in suburbia so there's this opening scene where they're at this party and Vic is sitting off on his own while everyone else is in a conga line and I just in the, in a few paragraphs I felt such a strong sense of what it, it would be like to be there and how he much he loathes everyone around him and the sort of that juxtaposition of light and dark in one space that that to me is what she does so well and you see that in um uh the talented mr ripley where it's mm-hmm. this very very dark story but takes place in the on the beach in in uh, italy and and those two the interplay between those two things is is what i love um or what i think she's the best at Unfortunately, I'm not very far in this, so I don't have a lot to say uh, beyond that. Um, that's also a problem because I have a book club this afternoon discussing this book, oh, and I need to read a lot of it. So, um, so that's... we need to talk quicker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I just think that that the way that she writes and her dark her dark themes that is my catnip, mm-hmm. and so this is just very delicious reading for me. And that is Deep Water by Patricia Highsmith. That sounds. Creepy. I have not. I saw the trailers for that movie, but I didn't know anything about the story, and that sounds more, way more interesting than what I got out of the trailer. So yeah, same. I I, I don't know. I've heard that it is not at all like the like the, book. the movie. So um, I, don't know, I probably will watch it and probably get mad. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Uh, okay. All right. So what I am reading this week is The Measure by Nikki Ehrlich or Ehrlich. I'm not quite sure how you say oh. her last name. So this, I've heard I good things like, about yeah, this. Yeah, so I feel like this is everywhere right now. So yeah. uh, I had put my name on the waiting list at the library before it was ever published. So then I was able to get it pretty early on when it was when it came out. So it's a very intriguing premise, I would say, for me at least. The idea that sets off the story is that every single person in the world who is over the age of 21, so if you're 22 or older, you get a box that has an inscription on it that what's inside of the box is the measure of your life. And then if you open the box, there is a string inside. As people start opening the boxes, what quickly becomes apparent is that the strings are different lengths. And the speculation is that the length of the string then correlates to how much time you have left to live. And that's, that's how the book kicks off. And so what it, the, the story is from multiple different people's perspectives, and they're all somewhat connected or become connected throughout the book. So even if they might not know each other at the beginning, throughout the course of the book, they'll, they'll somehow come to know each other. So I'm not going to go into is it something like eight characters or something like that. So I'm not going to go through every single character's storyline. So some people have these short strings. They know they don't have much time to live, and so they are having to deal with that knowledge. And then... Other people have long strings, but they have people in their families or they're in a relationship with somebody who has a short string. And what do they do with that? So the whole book is basically about how you choose to live your life knowing you have a limited amount of time, whatever that means, whether it's limited because it's 60 years or whether it's six years. It's just about that premise, which is obviously something we all know. We know that we don't have unlimited infinite amount of time on earth and and so how you choose to live your days is how you choose to live your life right um but it, it does pose an interesting question about some people choose not to open their boxes they say i just don't want to know that information uh and then there's a little bit of commentary about how different countries handle it and so there's hmm. one character who's a politician and he takes a stand about he has a long string and he's running for president. And don't you want a president who you know for sure is going to Ooh. win? And then there's there's a, an impact to the military because who if you know how long somebody's going to live, can you basically eradicate war? Because if you put all people in, like nobody's going to die in, during a war if they you put in the people who you know for a fact aren't going to are going to live for a long time. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's an interesting thought experiment, I would say, uh, as, as far as the premise. But what I like about it is more of the personal aspects of how people, how people deal with living their life with this sort of knowledge or how they deal with 
their relationships and the choices that they make in their relationships. And mm-hmm. it's it's good. I understand why so many people have picked it up because it's a it's intriguing. I don't know. It just makes yeah. you think and it makes you think about all these different scenarios and what you might do and and how how that impacts how that impacts like the the way you move forward so um so yeah I like it it's called The Measure by Nikki Ehrlich it's interesting because that's that seems like that seems to come up every few years is some some movie or some book Mm -hmm. that has like uh a button that people can push or not push or or things of that of that nature and (laughs) um and you'd think that that they had kind of all played out but yeah. it isn't it's no. it's always intriguing it's always interesting yeah. to think about what choices you would make and and you truly can't know in if you're not in that situation too and so because I think oh I would totally look and then I think would I if I if yeah. I actually had to have that if I had to be confronted with that I don't know anyway yeah I like anything having to do with that like the Midnight Library about Matt Haig was a book I really liked a few years ago it's a woman who mm-hmm gets the opportunity to try different versions of her life. Anything like that that's about figuring out what brings you fulfillment in life, how you make your choices in life, like all that stuff. I always love reading fiction that is around that topic. And you're right, there are different ways that that novels approach it. And they're they're all interesting to me. It's so yeah, funny. Like I'll, yeah. I'll read all of them to the end of time because I just, <laughs> I like the different treatments of it. It's just interesting. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would recommend it. It's, it's good. All right. Well, um, if you'd like to get in touch with us to give us feedback or a suggestion on a topic you'd like us to discuss, you can email us at wellreadpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at wellreadpodcast. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your other podcast provider of choice. Our theme music is Kitten by Poddington Bear. We keep our show notes at wellreadpodcast.wordpress.com where you can find a listing of every book we talked about in uh, all of our episodes. We didn't talk, well, we talked about a fair number of books today, but not necessarily the way we usually do. Great. Um, Thank you all for listening and happy reading.